Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, everybody, to a new edition of the MLB Pipeline podcast. Our fearless leader and host, Jason Ralliff, is off. I'm Jonathan Mayo, along with Jim Callis. Jim, after a week of holidays, holiday weekend, we're going to try to get through this without Jason. I think I think we're going to be okay. Yeah, I think we, we've done that before. We can we can do it again. We have. It's, Jason can enjoy his vacation and rest easy rather than worrying about what we're up to. Jason takes a vacation every time Passover, Easter, and Ramadan run into each other. So that's once roughly every 33 years. So you're saying that's too much for him to handle? Like it just he needs time off? No, it's just when he finally on. decides, okay, I'll take time off when that happens. And it's only every 30 years. So I hope he's enjoying some downtime. We have a lot to talk about now that all of baseball is underway. Uh, we're going we're gonna to focus on the big leagues and minor league baseball. Um, no draft talk this, uh, this time around, but that's okay. We're going to uh, take a look at the top 100, top and bottom guys who could get called up after there's been a slew of, of guys get called up. New uh, configuration at the top with some some graduations and new additions at the bottom. And, of course, we'll finish off with the mailbag. And in between, we're going to be joined by the former number one overall pick from last year's draft, Jackson Holiday of the Orioles. All right, let's 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 jump in, Jim. I mean, I think, you know, we knew coming in that there were going to be a bunch of guys in, in the big leagues right, right off the top. And it's been kind of fun and impressive to see obviously Gunnar Henderson and Corbin Carroll were, were up last year and uh you know Jordan Walker Anthony Volpe uh are you know broke with the team I won't say surprisingly but they were not slam dunks and, and they're there and countless other guys uh, up and down the top 100 and elsewhere are, are in the big leagues and that kind of got us to thinking well who could get called up next you know and it, it's it's a combination usually of guys who are performing well and opportunities or, or perceived holes at the at the big league level, right? That's the kind of loose algorithm we use. Sure, if you want to call it an algorithm, <laughs> no, I, don't I don't think I don't think either of us put that much <clears throat> process into uh, in, into figuring out uh, who, well, who could uh, get uh, the call. Uh, especially like what a weekend we're talking in the minor league side, so it's you know, a little <laughs> maybe a little bit more. So yeah, it's it's a very small sample size on on both ends. Um, but we both picked some players, and let's start with the ones that we kind of both picked out as top 100 guys who could be the next up. And I think we both mentioned Brett Beatty as, our, as the first guy we mentioned. Now, maybe we we're just kind of scrolling down the top 100, but uh, we talked a little bit about him last week, but why Brett Beatty? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm still outraged because <laughs> I want Beatty, you to get on your soapbox again. Yeah, Brett, Brett Beatty is one of the best young hitters in baseball. 
Um, had a great spring. I, I don't put too much weight in spring training performance because it comes against such a wide variety of competition. But it, 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 he certainly did not go out there and struggle and make you think, oh, geez, Brett Beatty's not ready for the big leagues. He was already in the big leagues last year. And, you know, again, it's early in the season, 10 games in. We're not going to make any bold pronouncements. You know, the Mets are disappointing, Jonathan. For all the money they're spending, they're only 5-5. Five and five, But I don't understand the thought process that Eduardo Escobar is somehow better than Brett Beatty offensively or defensively at third base. And Eduardo Escobar is not playing well in the big leagues. He's hitting a robust 125. And Brett Beatty is playing very well in AAA. Um, so to me, he should have made the opening day roster. It gets back. And the Mets aren't the only team that does this where, you know, Brett Beatty has options. Eduardo Escobar doesn't. So you, you know, you, you keep more depth by sending the guy with options back to the minors, you know, which is generally the younger and often better player. And it drives me nuts. And, and this is driving me nuts. But Brett Beatty should be in the big leagues, should have been in the big leagues on opening day. And I cannot imagine they're going to leave him in the minors too much longer. We should have just had Alex run back last week. You could have just replayed it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and in addition, yeah. And this is like a, a an obvious, uh, this guy's hitting well, you know, he missed a few days with a little bit of a thumb issue. He, he was back on Sunday. Escobar is not hitting. But even like, if you look at their outfield, like who would you rather have in left field, Brett Beatty or Mark Canna? Come on. Yeah, I mean, Mark Mark Canna's okay. At least, at right. least he's well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's okay. But I'm saying you could even bring, even if you think, all right, you know what? I think Eduardo Escobar can play his way out of this. You could still bring Beatty up and and start him three games in each. You know, what I mean? he could be in the lineup every day, moving back and forth. For there's a DH too. There, there's there a is. DH also, and you know, it's not you know they they Dan have Vogelbach's Dan Vogelbach's not setting DH. the world on fire. Yeah, yeah I mean, you true. could you could you could get him at bats at. A number of different positions. But yeah, so I mean, he to me is the most obvious one. How about yeah. you? So I, I don't know if anybody else is, is it's out as outrageous that the guy has not been called no. up yet, but, but who are, who are some other top 100 prospects you could see getting called up? Well, in we, we both mentioned, we both mentioned Tyler Soderstrom and I think like it, now it gets to the Brett Beatty is the, he should be up. Um, and then I think a lot of the other people that we kind of picked out would be like, well, they're playing really well. Let's keep an eye on them. It'd be cool to see them get, a uh, an opportunity or another opportunity for some of them have been of it. Soderstrom's super young, you know. He's uh, he's just twenty one. Uh, he's still catching some and playing first base some. He, he's not going to come up and replace Shea Langoliers, even though Shea Langoliers isn't hitting so far. Like that's not going to happen. But uh, he's gotten off to a pretty good start. He's slugging six eighteen. He's got seven extra base hits. Um, he leads all top 100 prospects in total bases. Uh, and the A's first baseman right now are Jesus Aguilar and Ryan Noda, the Rule 5 pick. And they're combined 10 for 48. And Ryan Noda can play the outfield, too. Like, yeah. like, like, like Ryan Noda also could shift to the outfield. Right. And you, you mentioned the DH. Brent Rooker has gotten some DH time. He's only one for nine. So uh, to me, Soderstrom is an automatic upgrade offensively. And he also gives you a third catcher. Now, if the A's feel like he's improving behind the plate, and I had gotten some reports when we worked on our top 100 that he has, and they don't want to give up on that yet, I could see like, well, let's let him get more regular reps in AAA for a little while. But if he keeps hitting, and they're you know they're in this rebuild phase, and they've got their top prospect sitting there in AAA just raking, I think he's going to have to come up. 
Well, but here's the problem. The A's are dreadful. The, the A's might be the most dreadful team in the big leagues and are off to a two and seven start. Pull your the, punches. The, they're not going to win this year. Uh, you know, I'm looking at baseball reference. Their odds right now are 0.2% to make the postseason. They're not going to playoffs. So, like, yes. That's a you, fair part of the algorithm we uh, we need to consider. You're right. So, the th- and like, but I, I do think, like, on merit, he should be in the big leagues at some point. Because he can really hit. And, and, and you know, because you've heard me say this a bunch of times, I would, you have Shea Langelier as a catcher, who's a very good defensive catcher. Now, of course, it's Oakland. So nobody can play in Oakland for more than three years because then you have to pay them arbitration salaries. But theoretically, Shea Langliers is your long-term catcher. He's very good defensively, and he will hit. And I'd rather maximize Tyler Soderstrom's considerable offensive upside by not having him get beat up behind the plate. But I just wonder if it's going to be a bad team are we going to get service time games with him? You know, you yeah. certainly don't want to call him up too early because if you can at least keep him rookie eligible, you know, like let's say we limit him to 100 at-bats this year so we don't call him up till August or September, <sighs> then I can get the prospect, you know, incentive draft pick if he's on my opening day roster the next year. He like he could come out, I could call him up today. He doesn't he have to debut American- on opening day, right? He, he could come up in September. I feel like I never remember. Yes, this yes, role. exactly. But okay. what I'm saying is, like, if you called him up now, if you said, you know what, our right. team's dreadful, I'm sure the A's appreciate me saying that. Like, <laughs> l- l- let's give the fans something like Tyler Sodstrom. We're just going to let him hit, and Tyler Sodstrom could go out and be your 2023 Rookie of the Year. You get nothing for that. So I, I just wonder, with the team being as bad, and like the service time clock, service time clock starts ticking for arbitration. I wonder if the A's are almost disincentivized to promote him. Although I think, and I think he's capable of hitting like he has so far, Jonathan. Like yeah. two months from now, we may be like, bring him up. And maybe, you know, they're not going to say it publicly, but they may be like, yeah, we're better off not bringing him up. It is interesting because I guess if Shea Langliers wasn't there and they had nobody considered as their catcher of the future or someone who wasn't, you know, was terrible defensively, you could make the argument that, you know, well, make sure Sutterson's ready behind the plate because he's going to be the catcher. So it, it could free him up to get called up because you don't have to worry about that part of his game and he's ready to hit big league pitching. But I think your other argument probably holds a little more weight. So so now I have a question for you. The third guy we both yeah. thought of immediately, <laughs> are you going with the French accent or are you going to call him by the name he wishes to be called? Well, I don't – he wishes to be called Eddie. He does that because people can't pronounce his name. It's not that hard to pronounce it. Come on. Go ahead. Edouard Julien. Oh, uh, I, I, I took French also, much to my I, I know, but you later. always deferred to me. I, well, he's your, you do the life. twins. You do the twins. I let you have the fun. But I, I think we should call him Eddie Julian. <laughs> like, like Eddie Julian? Ed, Eddie Julian just keeps drawing walks and raking. And I, I, you know, I'm still not 100% sure what position he's, yeah. like he should play in the big leagues. Um, but you know, I, I will say, you know, the twins who are playing away, you know, they're playing Kyle Farmer at second and he's been off to who's playing well. Yeah. But I, I just meant look, it's not like they have like a bunch of, they, they don't have, they have some defensive holes on the team. Donovan Solano is not your typical first baseman, but, um, so I, like, I don't know if the opportunity is there, but I, I, I'm starting to become convinced Jonathan. I think after the fall league, after the world baseball classic, 
after, and again, we know it's small sample size. Eddie Julian just hits. He hits, he gets on base. And I don't, me personally, I don't have to see any more in AAA to believe that he's going to hit and get on base in the big leagues. I'm all in on Eddie Julian. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. And And I agree. And Kyle Farmer can play other positions and has capably, right? So you could, if you wanted Julian to just play one spot, you know, like, oh, we just want him so we, you know, he's not a defender and he's worked his tail off to be acceptable at second base. You could move, start moving Farmer around a little bit. Nick Gordon is there. He's not been hitting. Um, so, yeah, I would I would call him up whether you, you know, what whatever you want to call him. Eddie Julian sounds like a guy who, you know, played in the NHL in the 1970s. No, no, Eddie Julian sounds like the type of guy who just rolls out of bed and gets on base three times. Edouard <laughs> well, Julien sounds like he should be playing defense for the Montreal Canadiens. All right, better. You know, and uh, it was foolish of me to try to make a hockey reference because, no. Um, the only other top 100 guy uh, that I brought up, uh, you know, that I was thinking of from a uh, pitching standpoint, and the, the top 100 pitchers are not off to a good start. I think we touched on this last week, but... Um, Tanner Bybee of the Guardians. Uh, I was pleased that they first moved him to AAA, you know, challenged him because uh, they could have said, well, we want him to get a little more time in AA. He, he didn't, you know, he spent about half the year in, in AA, if not, not quite, but off to a very good start. It's one start, but five shutout frames, four hits, one walk, struck out seven. And not Cleveland's rotation has not been firing on all cylinders out of the gate. Super small sample size, so I don't think you're going to see Tanner Bybee tomorrow. But if the trend continues, I could see him getting a, getting a chance because his combination uh, of stuff and command just is – it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and he just continues to produce. I mean, there's other guys that you can yeah, – you had a couple like, other guys. Well, like I thought – I mean, Sal Frelick, who, who is our consensus best pure hitter on the top 100 prospects list, I, you know, I don't think he's got much left to prove in the minors, but the, the Brewers have been getting good play out of their outfielders. I, you know, you, you got Bo Naylor – you know the Indians have Mike Zanino. They're carrying three catchers. Bo Naylor could at least be their backup catcher and DH some. But the one that I think is going to be interesting, and I'm not going to confuse him with uh, as I always do when I when I talk about the Yankees. I'm I am not going to call him Oswaldo Cabrera today. I promise. But uh, you know Peraza you know, on the Yankees, he's on the top 100 list. Who was the favorite to be the Yankees? shortstop after he came up last September and he lost a job to Anthony Volpe. You know, Volpe isn't lighting it up. I mean, again, it's small sample size, so I don't, it doesn't mean, you know, Volpe, you know, needs more seasoning, but you know, Volpe's down to 143 now. He's four for 28 with 11 strikeouts in the big leagues. I wonder how much rope Volpe gets yeah. before they would say, you know what, let's give him a little more triple time because he's only played about three weeks in AAA, and we're going to call Oswald Peraza back up and make him the shortstop. I, that, to one, that to me is the most fascinating one to watch outside of, you know, hey, when will the Mets come to their senses about Brett Beatty? <laughs> That's gonna, it's going to be like a twofer kind of deal. All right, let's, let's uh, be, before we sort of wrap up this, this, this subject, obviously non-top 100 prospects get called up. There are some some guys we, we talked about, and in this case, there are actually a couple of pitchers, both of whom we talked about last week. So I don't think we need to to go 
too much into into detail, but Chase Silseth, you know, was the first member of the 2021 draft class to make it to the big leagues and struggled last year, but he's now had two shutout outings and has been very, very good. And Matthew Libertor, formerly of the top 100, has also pitched well twice. And I think there could be some opportunities for both of them uh, with the Angels and Cardinals, respectively. So those are the the arms we both brought up. Who are a couple of the bats, Jim, that you, that you sort of keep your eye on? Like, wow, these guys have gotten off to very good starts and, and maybe could get the call sometime soon. Well, one's another former top 100 prospect, and that would be Nolan Jones, who kind of never really got a huge opportunity to play in Cleveland. They got into a 40-man crunch, and they wound up trading him to the Rockies uh, last offseason. You know, the Rockies are a rebuilding club. Uh, you know, I would think that we could perhaps see him get an opportunity pretty soon. But, I mean, playing in Albuquerque, which, yes, is a great place to play and great place to hit, he's hitting 353 with six homers in nine games. So, so he was one. And then the other interesting one that that's maybe more of a contender would be Lennon Sosa of the White Sox. You know, you know the White Sox had kind of a hole at second base. It's existed for a little while. Last year, they filled it with Elvis Andrews, who had played pretty dismally and looked like maybe he was at the end of the line in Oakland in 2021 and much of 2022 um, and got released last August. The White Sox had a need. They called him. They, they picked him up as a free agent, and he played pretty well for the White Sox down the stretch. He's off to a slow start. Sosa, you know, it, you know is considerably younger. Yeah, you know, has more, I think, upward potential than than Andrews does at this point. I don't think they're going to pull a plug on Andrews this quickly because he, like I said, he played pretty good for six weeks down the stretch. But I do think if if Andrews continues to struggle, they're going to have to take a hard look at Lennon Sosa with the White Sox. I think the one other guy I want to mention uh, is Ronnie Mauricio, the Mets, who you know, I feel I feel like he should be like 30 years old just because he's been on a radar for so long and hadn't been so productive, hit a bunch of homers last year and then really had a strong winter league and it's carried over this year is off to a very good start in triple a, you know, hitting for average, the powers showing up and, you know, some of the same arguments you could make about Beatty, you could make for Mauricio. So what about this, Jim Beatty plays left field. And Mauricio slides over to third for Escobar. As long as Beatty gets that bat, I'm fine. Yes. No, no. That, that, and that's the only way. I, I mean, I would call up Beatty ahead of Mauricio in a half a second, you know. But he's playing well enough where, you know, the the door knocking is is, is getting louder. Um, and it's not like he's going to replace Francisco Lindor at short. So his options are to move over to third where he has played quite a bit. Uh, and, and then that would mean Beatty would – his only real option would be to – to, to play left field unless he suddenly learns a new position, but I don't think that's going to happen. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, we're going to talk to last year's number one overall pick in the draft and current number 10 overall prospect on our top 100. That's Jackson Holiday of the Baltimore Orioles organization coming up next on the MLB Pipeline podcast.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline podcast. Jonathan May along with Jim Callis, and we are very pleased to welcome in to the podcast uh, for the first time, I'm pretty sure, uh, the, the number one pick in last year's draft, number 10 on our top 100. That's Jackson Holiday of the Baltimore Orioles. Jackson, thanks for taking some time out to be with us today. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Now, before we started recording, we were kind of talking about a little strange, you know, first week in and, and you get a couple of, of days off. Uh, I guess you know enough not to to take things for for granted, but uh, a little bit a little bit strange to have to kick back for for two days after just a few days of playing. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a little bit different of a schedule from uh, from spring training, going uh, every day from uh, seven thirty in the morning on to about four or five. So it's been it's been nice to to, to enjoy the the two off days, but uh, I'm excited for this week. Jackson, Jim Callis here, and obviously a year ago at this time, you were still in high school. A lot has uh, changed for you in the last 12 months. One of the things I wanted to ask you about was, it is very rare, Jonathan and I have covered prospects forever in the draft forever, to hear scouts rave about a player improving across the board like scouts did about you last year. We were, uh, I'm embarrassed to say this, we had you ranked number 51 on our draft board going into the year. You know, obviously you want to go number one. I blame Jim for that. <laughs> and you know, obviously you went number one overall. But when I was talking to scouts last year, like very early on, they were saying everything's gotten better with Jackson Holiday. I mean, not that you weren't a good prospect to begin with, but like he's hitting better, he's stronger, he's faster, the arm's better, he looks better at shortstop. How much of that were changes you were consciously trying to make? And how much of that was simply getting a year older, maturing a little more physically, because I, I, like I said, I, I've rarely heard. I, I've heard of guys getting better. We hear that all the time, but I rarely hear guys telling me, "Hey, all five tools have gotten better." Guys were raving about you all spring last year. Yeah, um, coming off the summer, um, I obviously knew that I had to get better if I wanted to to get drafted, and obviously that was that was my goal. And I knew I needed to get stronger, and and I've always tried to try to improve in every aspect of my game, no matter uh, no matter what it is, and just try to grow steadily. And um, I did online school. That's what I've told all the people that, that I've done interviews with. And that honestly um, helped me change a lot of, of my game. And um, I grew stronger in the weight room. And my swing got better and, and a lot more consistent. And I was able to, to drive the ball all over the field. And um, honestly, once the season started, I just, just tried to enjoy uh, being in the moment and playing with my brother. And um, it made it, it made it a lot more fun. And uh, I was able to really have a great, great spring and just try to put myself in the best position that, that I could. But um, yeah, just just working out every day and um, being pretty much one on one with with my dad and um, being able to, to hit with him every day and um, practice honestly twice a day went through OSU's practices and then our high school practices right after. So I'm um, just the, the everyday little things and, and getting better each and every day was probably the most important. Well, you know, you brought up your dad. 
I was going to see if we could go through an entire interview without talking about him. Um, I'm, I'm imagining that doesn't happen very often. Uh, I, I'm always interested in the, the sort of the, the, the combination. It sounds, you know, everything I've heard from you and in seeing interviews with your dad, even that it, it's been nothing but a positive, you know, you, you understand how the game works. Maybe you have a little better idea of what to, to expect, but you know, I always want to ask players like, is there any pressure to have holiday on the, on the back of your people? I think have an expectation that, you know, well, your dad had such a great big league career. You need to at least be as good, if not better. Does that ever come up or do you see it only as a positive having Matt holiday as a dad? Yeah. Only, I only see it as a positive ever since, uh, ever since I was little, it's never, I've never really looked at it that way as a, as a pressure kind of thing. I just thought it was a cool last name and, and that was my dad. So that's kind of how I've always gone about it. But um, I mean, obviously having him have such a, such a long and great career, I got to, to learn a lot. And um, honestly, pressure doesn't really bother me that much. Um, one of my dad's friends told me that pressure is a privilege. And that's, that's how I've looked at it uh, ever since uh, he told me that. And um, being the first pick and, um, having having all that to, to your name definitely comes with pressure but I don't I don't feel it it's just uh it's just a game and that's how that's how I approach it how long have you known that baseball is what you want to do because I've known your your grandfather Tom when I started baseball America many years ago 35 years ago he was on that Oklahoma State staff that you know they went to seven straight college World Series I mean so in obviously a great baseball family yeah I imagine when you were very young, you were, you know, because of your dad, because of your grandfather, because of your uncle, who, who's now the coach at Oklahoma State, you know, baseball's always probably been a big part of your life. But when did you know this is what you wanted to do? Um, honestly, ever since I was little, as long as I can remember, uh, I've always imagined myself in, in the clubhouse and, and being a big leaguer and, and playing in, in important games in the big leagues. And that's all I've, I've really ever wanted to do. I mean, I played all the sports growing up and uh, like growing up and, and in high school, I played basketball, but baseball has always been the, the main focus. So as long as I can remember, baseball is, uh, is what I wanted to do. Well, so far, the transition to the pro game has, has not been too bad. Uh, you know, obviously hit a, hit a ton in the, in the complex league and, and got that first taste of Delmarva last year. And that's where you're at now. And you off to a, a six and 13 start. Jim was joking before we started recording that maybe you didn't want, uh, you know, a couple of days off just because you swing the bat so well, swung the bat well, big league spring training too. Did that little taste of full season ball last summer kind of help inform you and, and hit the, the ground running this year in terms of what to expect uh, from, from the level? I, we're talking really small sample size here, you know, three games into to this year. Yeah. I mean, definitely had a, uh an impact definitely I, I knew um what to expect in in the pitching and um kind of the pace of pace of play but um being able to to go to big league camp and being able to compete against uh big league guys and, and lower level or higher level minor league guys definitely has made a made an impact and seeing a lot more uh, better quality pitches i guess in, uh, in big league camp has kind of slowed down the game a little bit um in delmarva so um but being able to, to go to Delmarva last year and, and struggle a little bit and kind of get over that little hump um, towards the end, I started started playing a lot better. But uh, um, it's definitely put me in a better spot um, going into this year and, and definitely uh, knowing what to expect. 
you obviously have you know been around baseball, so you probably were more acclimated or more ready to join pro ball than the most kids coming out of high school. It's a small sample size, obviously. You've only played 23 games in your point in this career, but you've hit 325. You walked more than twice as much as you struck out. I, I was just curious, what is something that was maybe more difficult in pro ball than you anticipated at the beginning? And what is something that maybe was a little bit easier than you might have anticipated coming into pro ball? I'd say walking is a lot easier, honestly, because uh, the umpires are, are better than they are on the on the summer ball circuit and um, in high school. There's not as many strikes as, as you would think, so it's it's a little bit easier to, to walk, and um, I think controlling the strike zone is, is very important in the minor leagues, and it, uh, it helps set a set a good base for for the big leagues uh, in a few years. So, uh, but the, the difficult part. Um, Honestly, there's there's a ton of talent. So I'd say, I mean, even if someone is, doesn't have the best stuff pitching-wise, they can still get you out with, with a few different ones. So um, the, the bats can be more difficult, but they can also be, be a little bit more easy. I would imagine that as you move up rungs, you've been known for your approach for quite some time, but uh, you know, I think the pitcher's ability to find the strike zone and get you out with strikes will probably happen more frequently. Mm-hmm. Rather than them, you know, just trying to get you to chase. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how you adjust to that as you as you move move up. Yeah, you know, I wanted to ask you. You were, were spending you know so much time about your offense, but I want to talk about your defense. Jim sort of mentioned that you know you you improved over the course of your senior year at shortstop. How important is it for you to kind of keep proving to everybody that that's the spot you can stay stay at, regardless of what the big league roster looks at? You know, that's a little ways away. We don't have to worry about who plays where, but. Um, you know, talk a little bit about your desire to to show anyone who may have questioned that at one time that that that's a spot that you know you can play at the big league level. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love playing shortstop. I feel like that's the the position that that I can play for a really long time. And um, yeah, going into to the senior my senior year of high school, it's it's obviously defense is just as important as offense. You want to be as consistent and. Um, and able to, to play that position as, as good as anyone. So uh, it is it is very important for, for me, and um, I take a lot of pride in, in defense, and I want to be able to to make the routine play um, as much as possible and, and also make some uh, some difficult ones too. So um, I feel like I'm in a really good spot defensively. Um, DJ, the, the infield coordinator with the Orioles, uh, has uh, been very helpful, and I'm excited to, to keep learning from him. Talking about exciting, I mean, you're part of an Orioles organization that's on the upswing. We have them as the top-rated farm system. We had them as the top-rated farm system last year, even before Adley Rutschman graduated to Baltimore, and they're still number one. I was just curious about some of the players who've stood out to you, either that you're playing with at Delmarva or you've seen in spring training, because there's so much great talent in the organization. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, they're all – all the guys that are that are in the organization are awesome. Um Gunner is a, is a really good dude, and, and Adley and and Heston. So I got to I got to hang out with a lot of them um, the spring training. But I mean, Heston is is very very fun to watch. Just how how unbelievably strong, and um, he's a very 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 good hitter. And I think he uh, surprised the surprised a lot of people this spring training. So uh, I'm excited to watch him. And um, but yeah, Gunner, an awesome dude, and um, and even. 
even like better player. He's he's pretty unbelievable, and um, I'm excited to to watch him do his thing this year. Who's gonna have the better flow, you or Gunner? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I gotta I gotta get a trim. Mine's getting a little long, so we'll see. Maybe we'll, once I get up there, we can uh, get like a fan bow going. <laughs> I think that'll be good. I, and now I'm more serious. Uh, question and and kind of more off the field uh, you talked about being able to hang out with your your your, your teammates over the last couple of days uh, making dinner things like that you're just out of high school right so you don't have a ton of experience living on your own what has that transition been like for you we spent so much time talking about what you can do between the lines that's a part of the things that you know not everyone recognizes you're a 19 year old living you, know, you have roommates and stuff I know and things like that and you've got a support system but like how has that been honestly it it's been pretty easy uh I don't I don't do too much when I'm back home I kind of hang out at the house so it, it hasn't been too difficult I think that's another advantage of uh my dad bat, my dad being in the game for so long is just um you you kind of learn how to, to do things on your own so uh it's been fun. Um, my roommates are Creed, who is also 19, and Anthony Servideo, who uh, who went to Old Miss a few years ago. But uh, it, it's been a lot of fun um, being able to hang out with the guys and, and go to go and eat dinner with them every night. And um, it it hasn't been a, hasn't been too bad at all. It's been it's been a, it's been a, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Well, before we let you go, Jackson, I have to get a, a scouting report from you. It's, it's funny you mentioned Heston Kerstad, who we saw a lot of in the fall league. He had a great fall league. And I was talking to him one day, asking him about the guys in the Orioles organization. He was raving about you. And he'd even heard about your brother, Ethan, who's one of the top-ranked players in the class of 2025. He may be the top-ranked player, I think, in the class of 2025. So we're still two drafts away well, I guess three counting this one before he's going to potentially enter pro ball. But what is the scouting report on Ethan and who's going to be better in the long run? You or Ethan? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know who's going to be better. Uh, I can definitely say at the same age, he is a million times better than I was. Uh, he, uh, he texted me the other day. He's like, I hit six home runs, um, hitting 500 and I have 30 walks and they've played like, <laughs> 15 games so uh he's uh he's super super talented and um honestly the sky's definitely the limit for him so uh it, it'll be interesting to to see uh how big he is here in a few years he's like six four right now so he's uh he's definitely got my dad's height and uh his build so we'll see uh um how he fills into it but uh he's uh, very very good and he was really really good last year so uh Definitely someone to, to watch for for a high pick in 2025. So I'm excited for him. Are you sure he wasn't giving you like MLB 2K numbers there or something? You know, the show numbers or something. That, those are video. That's the video game numbers right there. Yeah, he's ridiculous. Yeah, Jim's gonna spit out a top 100 for the 2025 class now. After this, yeah, he's, sounds he's good. Pumped up. We, we we won't underrate him, Jackson. We I, I, I predict <laughs> we've learned our lesson. In December 2024, he will be higher than 51. On our top 100. That's probably a good chance. All right, uh, Jackson, I know you get back uh, back to your schedule. Uh, we're, we're recording this uh, on, on Monday, the second of your two days. Also, we'll let you get back to your downtime. But thank you so much for, for taking some time, uh, time out yeah, with us. Yeah, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All right, that's Jackson Holiday, the Orioles. Uh, thanks to him again. When we come back, we'll talk about some prospects who recently joined Holiday in our top 100. 
We'll look at the top of that top 100 list and answer a question from the mailbag coming up next on the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Jonathan Mayo, Jim Callis. Looking at that top 100, Jackson Holiday, who just joined us, is now in at number 10. That's because we've had some graduations. Gunnar Henderson and Corbin Carroll have both graduated, as we knew would be the case. And our new number one player prospect is someone who recently was their number one prospect, Jim. Yeah, that's right. It's Francisco Alvarez, who was... If I remember correctly, was he number one in midseason last year, or was he number one when Adley, whatever Adley Rutschman, I can't remember if Adley Rutschman graduated before we did the update or not. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, It was close. But in any case, at one point. He was number one at one point last year, yeah. Exactly, during the summer. So yes, Francisco Alvarez is our new number one. And, and, And to me, the interesting thing is, and we've talked about this in general anyway, even before Corbin Carroll and Gunnar Henderson graduated, how the top of our list was dominated by guys in the big leagues. And even with those two guys graduating, if you look at our top five prospects right now, Jonathan, yep, Francisco Alvarez is in the big leagues. Jordan Walker is in the big leagues doing things that haven't been done since Ted Williams. Anthony Volpe's in the big leagues. Those are one, two, three. Grayson Rodriguez at number five got called up after opening the season in AAA. With Baltimore and, and our number four prospect, Andrew Painter, with the Phillies, is currently sidelined, and they're trying to figure out the health of his arm and, and what course to take with him. But to, So to me, the interesting thing is, at some point, and I will admit I've not done the calculations as to which day all these guys would graduate if they stay up in the big leagues. Terrible work. But, you know, when these guys do graduate, you know, and it will be at some point in May, who's the number one prospect? Well, I think we take Andrew Painter out of the mix – Right now, because he's not pitching. So if Alvarez, Walker, Volpe, Grayson Rodriguez all graduate, Andrew Painter you know, has yet to throw a pitch this year, who do you think is in the discussion to be the number one prospect at that point? Well, first, a uh, little bit of, not news, but a little bit of an update. Uh, my understanding that unless there were any setbacks, Andrew Painter was set to begin a throwing progression this week. So we'll keep an eye on what happens there um you know i listen i think the guy we just talked to it's got to be on that on on the short list right jackson holiday well you you know i've already been on record on the podcast oh i know i was trying to i was trying to preempt you (laughs) saying Um. (laughs) he'll be number one by the end of the season like i don't well see here's what would be interesting because i mean we're dealing with you know he's played what, they've played three games, I think, and in, in yeah. like like twenty three games total. The non triple A teams have played two or three games at this point. Maybe somebody's played four. So we we've small samples. I will say, if Jackson Holiday, he doesn't even have to hit four sixty two. If he was hitting three sixty two in low A, by the time it's time to make that decision, maybe we'd think about it. But yeah, he. I mean, I, you know, I, I think you you. It probably comes down to maybe the two most dynamic players in the minors who would be Brewers outfielder Jackson Churio and, mm-hmm. and Reds probably play wherever he wants, Ellie De La Cruz, shortstop, third base outfield, whatever you want. And then a number of shortstops, whether it's Jackson Holiday, it's Jordan Lawler, who's off to a quick start in double-A with the Diamondbacks, Marcelo Meyer, 
with the Red Sox, you know, maybe Drew Jones, who made an unbelievable catch, which is just going to make people think about his dad even more. Right. But I think, you know, we'll have to see how it plays out. But those would, I, I don't see us going with a pitcher number one necessarily, whether, you know, Andrew Painter comes back and starts dominating just because of the, the scare that we've had, you know, that he had. Um, it'd be interesting. I don't, th- he, I don't think he'll have, a, we're talking, you know, let's say it's June sometime, right? We're, we're talking well, about before that, it's probably like, like, like late right. May. Yeah. So I don't think even if Andrew Painter ends up being okay, by the time he goes through a full throwing progression and gets himself ready, he won't have thrown enough to, for us to consider putting him in that top spot, especially with that question mark. Yeah. So I think the names that you mentioned are correct. You know, now if Anthony Volpe gets sent down and is raking in AAA, then we'll see, right? Because he, you know, he, he's what number three right now. So you're not I, ready I, to move on from Anthony Volpe because he's in 143. He's, he's not 20, dead to you. He's he, 21 years old. You're done no. with Anthony Volpe. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a, a New York Yankees fan, so no. Um, but I think those those are the are the names, and you know, you try not to look at how guys have started out just because it's you know just getting started. Um, so we'll have to see what happens when people get going, but, uh, and I'm not just bringing up holiday again, cause we, we just had him on, but you know, to your point, like if he is really hitting that well and look, and we get through may, he might get bumped up to Aberdeen. Um, they may need to challenge him and if it doesn't happen, then it will happen soon thereafter. So even though he's 10 now, could he leapfrog? Yeah. But I think the other names you mentioned, um, Ellie De La Cruz hasn't, you know, hasn't played yet. Um, so we'll, you know, let's let him get back. It's, it's not supposed to be a, a major injury. He should be back soon. Um, but assuming he comes back and he and Trio are doing the ridiculously amazing things that they can do at such a young age at a high, le- at, you know, a high level, Trio's in double A at 19 and De La Cruz is going to be in triple A. So, uh, it could be fun to see what happens there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the most exciting thing is just I can't wait to see how it unfolds. I mean, these guys are all super talented. You know, we're only a couple days into the season. Um, it's going to be fun to watch and see what these guys do in 2023. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So you got to pick one guy. I'm gonna, we're going to go back and listen to this. I feel like we say things like this all the time. I never do. Who's going to be the that number one prospect in that month or so time, whenever it is that we need to do that. I think it's going to be Jackson Churio. Okay. I I I would feel even like better if like well, I like- uh, yeah, no, I was going to say like if you could bet at DraftKings if I could just take all Jacksons against Jackson. the field. <laughs> like uh, any like Jacksons against the field, I'd feel even better, but I'm going to go Jackson Churio. How about you, Jonathan? That that's good cuz if you could do that, you'd even have a little marker on Jackson Merrill just in case. But he's off to know for twelve starts, so like, I, don't, <laughs> right, I don't know. Like, but yeah, I, I would. I'd be happy to take Jackson <laughs> Merrill as part of my my triumvirate of Jacksons. I think Jackson that... Job. Do I get Jackson? I know he's hurt right now. I get Jackson <laughs> Job also. I sure. Yeah, you, there you, you could, go. You could have Andrew Jackson if you wanted to. Um, I'm gonna go with Jordan Lawler. I like that board one too. a little bit. Just, uh, I, I think, you know, he's always been sort of this steady tools guy, and I think that everything's starting to show up, and, and he, he, he's off to a good start. So um, 
you know, I, I want to take Ellie De La Cruz, but he hasn't played yet. So that, that made me pause. Even though it's three games in or whatever, the lower levels. Okay. That's the top end. At the bottom end, you know, when, when guys graduate off, we, we have uh, the opportunity to add new members. Uh, we've had four so far already. And I'm just going to, I'm going to sort of lay out and let you talk about the first guy because he's your favorite. Yeah, well, I, I'm not going to belabor the point now that I finally got him on the top 100 prospects list. But I, I'm happy, Kate Horton, of, of the Cubs, because we've had all these graduations. Not only is on the top 100, he's ascended all the way to number 97, Jonathan, already. So, <laughs> all the way. He's moving up. Well, I mean, he's gained three spots in less than a week. At this rate, he'll be number one in three months um, if he keeps this up. But uh, no, I, I just, you know, Kate Horton with the Cubs, you know, I've probably – not saying he was the best prospect in last year's draft because that would be Jackson Holiday or Drew Jones, but Kate Horton, like, just intrigued me so much uh, last year, uh, coming back from Oklahoma and being so dynamic in the postseason. Um, I, I just think he's going to take off too. You know, he's this is a guy who's great athlete, um, two way, two sport guy, two way guy at Oklahoma. And I think now that he's got the Tommy John surgery further behind him, we know he's got the fastball. We know he's got the slider. He's working on a curve. I think he's going to pick up a changeup. I think he's going to throw strikes. I think this guy could move very, very quickly for the Cubs after being the number seven pick in last year's draft. So I'm excited to have him on the top 100. And now I'm excited. He has not made his pro debut yet, but should happen soon. He's moved up rapidly to 97 without throwing a pitch yet. Yeah, I mean, like, and if I'm Kate Horton, it's like, why? I, I'm not even going to throw a pitch. I keep moving up. Like, <laughs> why do I even have to do this? I'll be in the big leagues before too long. I don't even throw a pitch. Because so. that's how that worked. Yeah, uh, exactly. The, nec- the next guy we've already talked about quite a bit today, and that's Eddie Julian. And uh, for the reasons that we, we talked about, uh, I think now it's, it's nice to know that uh, all three of us, me and you and Sam Dykstra, are all on the Julian train. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to hit his way to the big leagues. Um, and right behind him is a guy who is hitting in the big leagues. Yeah, I mean, Yonder Diaz has always hit since uh, since the Cleveland signed him for just 25000 back in 2016. And he wound up coming to the Astros in July 2021 as part of the Miles Straw trade. And he's hit for more power. He's improved behind the plate. You know, I think he can play an average catcher, and I think he's really going to hit. You know, it, it's he's not doing a whole lot in the big leagues right now because he's back up to Martin Maldonado. He's got twelve at bats, but right. you know, I, I do think you might get kind of an offense defense platoon. I don't know if that would be a platoon officially, but offense defense kind of alternating uh, timeshare there. And then you know, we 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 went with another catcher, Dalton Rushing, who's a, a very similar profile to Yiner Diaz. He was the second round pick by the Dodgers last year their top pick. And, you know, I think he's, you know, it's, I I think they're similar hitters. I think rushing has got a little bit more power. I think Diaz is maybe a little bit more advanced defensively at this point, because rushing did not catch a lot at Louisville when he was the understudy to Henry Davis, the number one overall pick for two years. But I will say, and we did not, we, we, we've used a bunch of our spring training interviews on the podcast but John and Dalton rushing. The, the, I remember talking to Will Rhymes, Dodgers farm director, after I talked to him about just how impressive Dalton was. And, and Will Rhymes, the farm director of the Dodgers, 
mentioned he referred to Dalton Rushing's gravitas or gravitas. And I was like, that's a great way to put it. He just has such a command. He has that that presence you want your catcher From to a have. catcher, right. And um, I was like, okay, I'm even a little bit more all in on Dalton Rushing. Um, who, you know, all he did in his pro debut last year was hit 404 in his first month in the minors. So uh, an interesting crew, I think. Jonathan, we're not going to give any names away, but I believe as we record this on a Monday, I think in the next three or four days, we're going to have three more guys graduate. A lot of early season mm-hmm. graduations this year. So yeah. we will have more names jumping on the list um, before we're even really two weeks into the big league season. And we can talk about them uh, on next week's podcast. We can. So that, that, that works out well. Yeah, the rushing, uh, you know, it seems unfair that the Dodgers – have another top 100 guy but that just kind of keeps happening it'll be interesting to see how he he develops they've just gotten started as we record this played just the one game uh in the minors so far so um all right let's wrap up as we always do with our mailbag and believe it or not it's been a little while since we've had a stevie d question i think yeah, who was the um, – I'm not going to get his handle right. The Lizard King? Like yeah, something. I am the Lizard King. I am Someone the Lizard King, Lizard King or something like that. Know. Yes, right. uh, it had back-to-back questions, but right. Stevie D. Stevie D had to step up. Re- reasserting himself. Um, this, of course, is at Stevie D, A-L-E-S 97. Stevie, we appreciate you as always. Uh, he, he makes it into our, our inboxes more often than not, even if he's not the mailbag question on the podcast. Although we're a week into the minor league season, it's as if he knew what our theme was going to be today. Which prospects have impressed you so far? And it, we've it, talked a lot about uh, you know about a bunch of them already. But well, I was going to say it's, it's like it's funny too because it's such a small sample size to <laughs> really like read too much into it. To like like I, so I don't I, I will I will couch this by saying I don't know that anybody has totally made me rethink what type of player they are if that makes sense um well he just said impressed i know i know that's i'm just saying like but it but it's it's a small sample size um yeah yeah you you could go with a lot of like yeah you know who's impressed me and he's in the big leagues is james outman with the dodgers like i I don't know can i can i mention james outman even though he's not he's in the minors and he's not gonna be a prospect for too much longer what's he's played pretty well but i'll I'll tell you you which prospect into the minor league season i see so that oh yeah okay okay well i'll I'll, I'll switch it up i'll give you another one based on nine plate appearances just nine plate appearances but cleo watson seems like he's playing again i'm reading this into three games worth of work but i saw him in spring training too cleo watson who had problems being overly aggressive at the plate Mm -hmm. and kind of controlling his emotions last year so far is off to a good start doing both in high a for the marlins and we got to remember he's still just 19 years old and all the physical ability that had the pirates you know considering taking him number one overall it it would have been a deal as part of that but like he was in that mix all that physical ability is still there so again three games i'm not saying hey (laughs) yeah it's all yeah i'm all in again but like, I, I think that's an encouraging one to me. No, that's a good one. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a prospect and a and a former prospect. And I'll start with the the former prospect just because I think we have to have to give a shout out to Joe Adele. Yep. Um, just because he's hit homers in six straight games or whatever craziness it is at the at the point that we're recording this, um, and 
more importantly, there are some signs of, of really making some changes to some swing decisions. There's going to be some swing and miss, uh, but I'm hoping that they find another opportunity for him in the big leagues. He's still so young, you know, so I'm not giving up on him entirely. And also one of the nicest young players I've ever talked to. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping. And then on the prospect side, um, a guy I almost brought up in terms of who could get called up and that's Connor Norby of the Orioles. Um, you know, they, they do have a bunch of really sort of interesting performer prospects, Jordan Westberg and but Connor Norby is off to a really good start. Uh, huge sample size of 39 plate appearances in AAA, but he's got, you know, a couple homers. He's hitting 343. Uh, you know, he, he, he's slugging 540. The, he, the power is legit and he can play both second base and, and outfield corners you know, pretty equally and capably. So it'll be interesting to see if and when he gets an opportunity uh, up in the big leagues. But he's a he's a guy in that very deep and now sort of top rung heavy. You know, they're filling in below with guys like Jackson Holiday, but guys are at the upper levels waiting for that first opportunity, which is what what Baltimore was hoping for. I'm going to throw out a pitcher at you too. Please. From Sam Bachman, who the Angels, one of your farm systems, Jonathan, yep. number nine overall pick in 2021, had crazy good stuff at Miami of Ohio. And he just never really seemed like he was fully healthy last year. He had back issues. He had biceps issues. His stuff backed up. We didn't see um, the 100 mile an hour fastball. I think you wrote, Jonathan, he sat around 93 in double A last year. His slider wasn't a wipeout slider. And again, it's one outing, so it's like we're not we're not putting him in the big leagues. But Sam Bachman, his first start of the year in Double A, five shutout innings, one hit, nine strikeouts, no walks. So if you're the Angels or an Angels fan, that was certainly encouraging to see. Like th- th- that's maybe the pitching line that jumped out at me the most. Besides the the Rocket City trash pandas throwing a no hitter and giving up seven runs. Right. That, that was probably the, <laughs> which is the same team. Actually, I wasn't even yep. trying to do that. Look what I, I did. Um, but Sam Bachman, that was probably the pitching line from the first weekend of the, of the season that jumped out at me the most. And that, and that's in line with what I heard when I visited their camp, that his stuff, Sam Bachman's stuff had all ticked back up and it was spring training and it was early, but they were very encouraged that he looked much more like the guy pre-injury and we'll see if he can keep it up so uh, that's a good name that's a good name to throw out there all right i think that's going to do it for this week's mlb pipeline podcast our thanks to jackson holiday for joining us don't forget to subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode if you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions leave us a rating and a review why don't you thanks for listening we'll see you next week